The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the ninth chapter. Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And he called to him his twelve disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every affliction. The names of the twelve apostles are these. First, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew his brother, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James, the son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, Simon, the zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. These twelve Jesus sent out, instructing them, Go nowhere among the Gentiles, and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And proclaim as you go, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. You received without paying, give without pay. Acquire no gold or silver or copper for your belts, no bag for your journey, or two tunics or sandals or a staff. For the laborer deserves his food. And whatever town or village you enter, find out who is worthy in it, and stay there until you depart. As you enter the house, greet it. And if the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. And if anyone will not receive you or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet when you leave that house or town. Truly I say to you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than for that town. Behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Beware of men, for they will deliver you over to courts and flog you in their synagogues, and you will be dragged before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them and the Gentiles. When they deliver you over, do not be anxious how you are to speak or what you are to say. For what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Grace to you and peace from God our Father in heaven and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. In our gospel text, when Jesus looks at the crowds and he sees them as sheep without a shepherd, what exactly does he see? To be more precise, what is the nature of what he sees when he looks at the crowds and he sees them to be harassed and helpless? What is actually going on here? Well, when you read that Jesus sees them to be harassed and helpless, it is unhelpful, to say the least, 
to bring in modern understandings of oppression and abuse and harassment. So rather, when you hear that they were harassed and helpless, instead, think and hear, wearied and scattered. For indeed, that is closer to what the Greek is actually saying, but that is also just what happens when sheep do not have a shepherd. When sheep do not have a shepherd, it means that the flock is left wide open to assaults from every angle. Perhaps they are left open to the assaults of wolves who would come in to devour the flock. Perhaps they are left open to the assaults of robbers and thieves and mercenaries who are left open to be stolen by these men. Similarly, when these adversaries come to assault the sheep, the sheep are forced to scatter, each going his own way. You probably already have a picture of this in your head, the gentle and lowly sheep lying peacefully upon the plain, only for a robber or a wolf to emerge suddenly terrifying the sheep. As the sheep are scared, the only thing, the only option they have to do is to run, run in chaos and to scatter. This happens time and time and time again. And after this constant assault, the sheep are wearied. And because they do not have a shepherd to guide and lead them back to the fold, the sheep remain in this chaotic, scattered state. So a natural part of this scattering, and thus a natural part of this image that Jesus sees, is confusion. When the sheep are startled, there is confusion, there is fear, and there is disarray. Rather than there being order and peace as it should be, there is instead chaos and strife. The sheep, in being scattered, have no certainty, they have no comfort, and they have no unity. This is an image that every good pastor, and even some seminarians, know full well. Indeed, it is probably one of the first and foremost things that propelled them into the ministry. I know it was for me. This is the image where the pastor sees a congregation that is like sheep without a shepherd. Perhaps that congregation is vacant, and though so desiring the shepherd that the Lord would have for them, do not have one. These sheep are fearful for the future of their church. These sheep are confused as to why they do not have a pastor and to what the future will hold. Perhaps the congregation does have a pastor, but that pastor is not shepherding the sheep as he ought. Perhaps that pastor is leaving them open to be devoured by the wolves by not guarding them with sound doctrine. Perhaps that pastor would rather than giving them the word of God and the Lord's gifts, instead would prefer to just give them a nice motivational speech or a nice pep talk. Or perhaps, perhaps that pastor is just lazy and inattentive of his sheep. Either way, the image is almost always the same when it comes to the congregation, when it comes to these dear, beloved sheep. They are filled with fear, sadness, anger, or confusion. The image that the pastor sees is one of disarray, and it is almost always an image where there is no unity. You parents, 
And indeed, you fathers, on this day in which you reflect on the vocation that the Lord has called you to, you know this image full well too. This is the image where, where you are in public, be it at a game or a park or the store or whatever have you, and you see a child that is not acting as they ought. Perhaps the child is angry and throwing a temper tantrum. Perhaps the child is chaotic and disrespectful. Perhaps the child is fearful and alone. Or perhaps it is a mix of all of these things. And although you likely feel a wide array of emotions and think a wide array of thoughts when you see that, I would venture to guess that the first thing that you think of when you see a child in this state is, where are their parents? And again, I'm sure you would feel a wide array of emotions when you see a child in this state. Perhaps anger at the negligence of the parents, perhaps confusion and an annoyance at why the child is causing the disruption, perhaps fear at the fact that you keep seeing this sight more and more often. But again, I would venture to guess that what you actually feel when you see a child like this at the heart of everything is compassion. Compassion and wishing, wishing that this child had the kind of parent that the Lord would have for them. So when Jesus has compassion, when he sees these sheep without a shepherd, what does he do? How does he care for these wearied and scattered sheep? Well, first, he begins by teaching. He teaches the disciples, and he teaches us the correct order of things. You can look at it in the reading in your bulletin, or just recall what you have heard. Jesus says that the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. So what is the answer to this? Pray. You begin by praying to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers for the harvest. Because this can only be done and accomplished by God himself. And then, having prayed, Jesus himself answers their prayer. And he sends out shepherds in the form of the disciples. So when he sends out the twelve, Jesus gives them the authority to do the exact same thing he himself has already been doing. To cast out demons, to heal the sick, to cleanse the lepers, to raise the dead. Again, these are the things that Jesus himself has already been doing. So in this, you can see that the disciples being sent out aren't supposed to be doing their own ministry. Rather, their work is an extension of Jesus' ministry. So when they do this work, they perform these miracles, they do the work of Christ, and that is what people are to see. And the miracles that they perform are miracles, to be sure. The sick are healed, the dead are brought back to life, the unclean are cleansed, and the demons truly are cast out. These things actually do occur. But while these things are significant in and of themselves, they are simply signs that point to something much greater. This is why Jesus, before telling them to perform these miracles, commands them to proclaim the kingdom of heaven has drawn near. For indeed, the Jews, the lost sheep of the house of Israel that the disciples were supposed to go and proclaim to, 
they would know that when they see these miracles, then when they see that the sick are healed, the demons are cast out, the dead are raised to life, the lepers are cleansed, they would know that those are signs that the Messiah had come. And since the Messiah had come, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, would come with him as he would establish this kingdom here on earth and begin his earthly reign. So while the disciples are most certainly conducting these miracles in the stead of Christ, these miracles point to the coming Messiah who would himself bring about the kingdom of heaven. So what about you? The disciples are sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. In our case, the Lord sends out shepherds in the form of pastors. So just as the disciples were sent out to carry out Jesus' own ministry, an extension of what he himself is already doing, pastors, so too, are just an extension of the Lord's own ministry. In the same way that the disciples were to proclaim that the kingdom of heaven was at hand, pastors, too, proclaim that God's kingdom has come. But while the disciples were only sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, pastors are sent out to the world to proclaim to the Jew and the Gentile, to you, dear faithful Christians, alike. Not only this, but the signs of the disciples are different than the signs that are given to your pastor. While we may think that the signs of the disciples, the miracles of healing, cleansing, and casting out demons, while we might think that those are the greatest miracles that we could ever ask for, these things do not bring about unity. These things do not calm the scattered flock, and they do not unite them and bring them back to the fold. Indeed, only one thing could actually do that. For you, dear Christian, God has given your pastor a sign far greater to accomplish this. You may know that the kingdom of God is at hand, not when the dead are raised to life, when the sick are healed, when the demons are casted out. Rather, you may know that the kingdom of God is at hand by the forgiveness of sins. For indeed, this is what the coming Messiah would do for the Jews and what he has done for us. It is his death upon the cross where Christ himself atones for the sins of the world. He gathers all to himself and wins for us the forgiveness of sins. This is what the miracles of the disciples points to, and that which is given to you by Christ through your pastor. By the blood of Christ, your sins really are forgiven. This is what Jesus himself says whenever he heals the lame man, the paralytic man, and the Pharisees get upset with him. And he says, what is more difficult, to say, take up your mat and walk, or to say, your sins are forgiven? This is the greater miracle. This is what brings about the kingdom of heaven. This is the forgiveness of your sins. This is what Christ accomplishes for us on the cross. In Christ, that picture of a scattered and wearied flock of sheep is washed clean, white as snow. And in its place, by his blood, is an image of God gathering his beloved sheep to himself, making them members of his kingdom. This picture comes only through the forgiveness of sins which Christ earned in his death and resurrection. 
and freely gives to you through your pastor. It is in this way, dear Christian, that you may know that the kingdom of God is here, now, in your midst. For when your pastor teaches and preaches the word of God in its truth and purity, in Christ's stead, you may rest assured that God's kingdom has come and he is currently reigning and ruling over all things. When the pastor stands in the stead and by the command of Christ, and says that he forgives you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, you can rest assured that your sins truly are forgiven and that the kingdom of God is at hand. When the pastor baptizes in the name of the triune God at Christ's command and that individual is united to Christ's death and receives the forgiveness of sins and is made a child of God, you can know that the kingdom of God is at hand. When the pastor in the stead and by the command of Christ, gives to you Christ's own body and blood for the forgiveness of your sins, that you would be united to his body, strengthened in the faith, and brought into life everlasting. You may know full well that the kingdom of heaven is here. It is given to you, and you are brought into it and made a member. This is why Paul says that we preach Christ crucified. Why he says that as often as we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Why he says that we were baptized into Christ Jesus, being baptized into his death. For it is by Christ's death that he gives you the forgiveness of sins. It is by Christ's holy, bitter suffering and death that the kingdom of God comes to us and is given to us. It is through the forgiveness of sins that he won, that he gathers you, wearied and scattered by the assault of the devil in the world, and indeed, even your own sinful flesh. It is through the forgiveness of sins that he gathers you. The Lord loves you, and he looks upon you with compassion. He looks at you down from heaven, but indeed, he looks at you through the eyes of his pastor and works through him to give you his own gifts as an extension of his own ministry. So dear brothers and sisters in Christ, it is through your good shepherd who brings you to repentance, through the words of the pastor, that he gathers you. In this way, on this day, give thanks. Give thanks for the laborers that the Lord sends out. Encourage them in their duty to administer Christ's gifts and hold them accountable to it. Always pray that he would continually send out these laborers into the harvest, that he would beat all of the scattered sheep, facing the assault of the devil, the world, and our own sinful nature, and that he would bring them into his fold, into his heavenly kingdom by his grace and in his mercy, in the stead and by the command of Jesus Christ our Lord.